Book brothers and sisters, rejoice. It is I, your host, Vince. And we are here to break down a spicy trade that happened in the NBA. But before we get to that, if you are not following the podcast, please do so on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, or all on all major platforms that hold podcasts. All right. Also, <clears throat> leave some comments in that five-star rating. That would be greatly appreciated. And also, let's keep up uh, some of the comments. And um, if there's a draft prospect or a team that we're not spotlighting enough on, get with us. Hit us up on Twitter or X at FrontRunnerPC. Or you can hit my guy up at NicoFRPC. And also remember that we do have a YouTube channel. And that YouTube channel is robust. Get on that because you'll see snippets of this podcast on there. And usually we'll have a stat or two that we didn't put in the actual podcast. So there's still more information to be had as we go through the trade. Because the trade deadline has officially begun and it has begun early, which we actually said on a previous pod. That it would go early. So, where are we? What has happened? The Toronto Raptors are now making up for a lot of lost time. In December of last year, on the 30th, Masai Jerry makes his first deal. He sent OG Ananobi, Pascal, or not Pascal, that's that's the next trade, Precious Achua. Malachi Flynn for the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick, which turns out to be Detroit's pick, so it'll be a high second-rounder. Today's trade, all-star Pascal Siakam is going to the Indiana Pacers for Wing depth and former champion Bruce Brown, Jordan Noara, and Kiara Lewis. Now, they're getting, Indiana's getting a second round pick. Toronto's getting three first round picks. Two in 2024, uh, their own, and then also a pick that is. They got between a trade where it's going to be the worst of the Clippers, the I think it was Oklahoma City, and someone, I think Utah. So they have that, and then a 2026 first-round pick. So we're going to get into all the particulars now, uh, what this means for the teams and things of that nature, but hit me up on X. At front runner PC because I want to know your thoughts for my hashtag boom baby fam in Indiana. How do you feel in Toronto? How do you feel about Masai waking up from it seems like his two, three year hiatus or slumber that he was under? And we'll get to that in one second. So This trade 
it started to percolate in the last couple days. Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported that um, there were talks being had. And we're going to get into what it actually means for these teams in a second, but looking at this is the first piece to fall in the new year. Now, we had the OG and Anobi trade, Pascal Siakam. Really, for Toronto, there's only one piece left, and that's Gary Trent Jr., so I don't know if there's another trade on the horizon, but the remake of the Toronto Raptors is uh is looking pretty good because we we also need to get into what they got and what it could turn into. Um for the Pacers, you just look at this and go, wow, they're okay. They saw some deficiencies in the defense. They saw that maybe Ogi Talkin might be better suited for the bench get into that a little bit um but all in all here is a guy who is a former all-star with some uh playoff pedigree and um it's a great trait so there's a lot of pieces to it so let's get into it what does this mean for the Pacers with Pascal Siakam this gives Tyrese Halliburton a true number two running mate and somebody like we just said with playoff pedigree there are three things that we need to get to. Ogi Toppin now goes to the bench. Pascal Siakam not not only provides a defensive tenor that Ogi Toppin simply has not shown at any point this year. Some rim protection, not good one-on-one defense, seems to get swallowed up a lot. So just by adding Pascal Siakam and interjecting him into the starting lineup with Siakam and Miles Turner in that back in that, you know, guarding the rim, you're in a lot better shape than you were yesterday. The other thing that you can be that can be said with this is this is that at some point you knew Rick Carlisle was going to address the defense and now he has. Because Looking at their defensive rating right now, which is at 120, that's their defensive rating, which puts them 26th in the league out of 30 teams. Not great. It's great to have a high-powered offense. Right now, their offensive rating is at 122.1. But if you're in a constant shootout every single game, it's not a recipe for success at all. And I just thought about this. I say recipe for success a lot on this pod. So if you guys need to turn that into a drinking game, go right ahead. The other thing that we can get into is Siakam's creation will be very will be very key in unlocking the half-court offense that seems to splutter with the Indiana Pacers. Kyrie's has the ball. He does not have a problem getting off the ball, but he is the point guard of this team. He orchestrates everything. But what tends to happen is you get him blitzed. That means that you got a you got two men pressuring the ball. 
Sometimes he doesn't know where the outlet is. And to have a six foot nine, six foot ten Siakam who can create his own shot or create a shot for somebody else, that will be demonstratively better than something what they've had before. Because remember also, and we'll get into it in in one second, Ben Matherin is on this team. And anytime that Ben Matherin has a ball, he is not looking to initiate offense for others. Okay? He is not doing that. The third thing that I think that is the most important is that it really redefines the roles of the Indiana Pacers. And what I mean by that is that I think it honestly makes the team deeper. And you got Pascal Siakam, who's a plus 20 points per game guy. If you think about that now, with Tyrese Halliburton and Siakam, at the top of the scoring food chain for for the Indiana Pacers, now you have Miles Turner in a in a very comfortable third role. So if it's 15 points or 20 points, or if he goes off and gets into the high 20s or whatever the case may be, it's okay. You're not looking now for him to get you 20. That's not his game. He can stay in a very, very comfortable role where he can get his 16 to 17 points, grab his rebounds, block shots, shoot threes, and spread the floor. Now, whether Matherin matures into this role or he doesn't, you now have Matherin, and for the time being, Buddy Hill, in those Microwave rolls. Basically, if they get hot, they get it going. You can go ahead and ride them for a four-minute stretch. And then what will undoubtedly happen, they will take a shot that is completely ill-advised, and then you can yank them out the game. Now, what you're hoping for uh, Ben Matherin is that he grows into the tertiary role where you can then lean on him more for consistent 16 to 20 points. So if you can get that third rolled almost up to 20, combined with the explosive nature of Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam, this team is going to be hell to deal with in the playoffs. Now, let's talk about the other guys. You got Aaron Neesmith, you got um, Nimhard, the aforementioned Obi Toppin, you got uh, McConnell, the point guard, you also have Isaiah Jackson, you also have Jalen Smith, and yet we forget the lottery pick that they had this year, Jarris Walker out of Houston, who's tearing it up in the G League. Can't get any burn with the team whatsoever, but tearing it up in the G League. And now you just added Pascal Siakam, who also plays his role as well, to the mix. So, I want you to marinate on that for one second. 
I want to also throw in this last little piece that I really like that Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle did. Ogi Toppin was a part of this deal at one point. Now, it didn't necessarily go down that way, but there's an interesting route on how they got there. They attached the second round. They attached the. They got a second round pick for Kier Lewis Jr. in the Siakam swap. And the reason why I love this move is because Kier Lewis makes five point seven million dollars. It's the exact number that Ogi Toppin makes. It's also the exact number that fits the salary slot that needed to go in the deal. So, what happened here is Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle have enjoyed the dunks that Ogie Toppin have provided for Indiana this year. Listen, he's he's played well, okay? I'm not, this is no shade on Ogie Toppin, but I just think they like the spark. I I think what they, they like him, you know, they like him as a prospect. And I think it's funny that they said, you know what? We don't want to get rid of him. So what are we going to do? They went to the cash-strapped New Orleans Pelicans and said, hey, listen, we see that you're kind of over the cap here. Um, I know you're not playing your guy, Kara Lewis. Why don't you give us a second rounder? And we'll take him off your hands and we'll put him in this deal. So not only did they not trade the player they didn't want to trade, they got a second rounder for the for the asset slot of the player they, they didn't want to trade. So they got another player <laughs> to fulfill that and a second rounder out of it. Just think it's brilliant. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about brilliance. We're talking about Kevin Pritchard. We're talking about Ray Kyle right now. Okay, getting back to all the names that we just talked about. The Neesmiths, the Nimhards, the Toppins, the McConnells, Isaiah Jacksons, and the Jalen Smiths of the world. And then that first round pick that really hasn't played. It seems like there's another consolidation available to the Pacers if they want it. Whether it's to go out and fill another hole that they have that they're trying to piece this kind of contendership team to be, or to either augment the draft picks that they just gave up in the Pascal Siakam trade. Either way, they're loaded for bear, and what they've done in this deal hasn't really hurt them as much because they still have a lot to either give for another piece, or go ahead and replenish the coffers that have been lost in the Siakam trade. So, all in all, good good little piece of business for the Pacers. Now we're going to move on to Toronto in this deal and see <clears throat> what they got. I Here's the thing that I want to say about Masai Jerry. We were really harsh on him last year um, in this podcast space. Where we were like, what are you doing? And the one thing that I want to talk about in this deal 
is the three first-round picks. Now, there is no shade in this because I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Masai Jerry got three first-round picks for Pascal Siakam, who is a expiring contract. He doesn't have a he doesn't it's not a player option. He's just expiring. And they got three first rounders for him. Two 2024s and a 2026. Now I'm gonna say this. It's gonna sound like shade. I don't even it I think the job he did was tremendous, but Remember when the seven first-round picks were going out the door for Rudy Gobert and five were going out the door for Donovan Mitchell? What could have Messiah Jerry gotten last year for another year on his contract and already a all-star Pascal Siakam? Could he have gotten into the five or six first round draft pick range for Siakam last year? It's a question that I'm going to have because he was silent last year and we had no idea why. You know, if you were looking to reimagine this roster, you could have started it last offseason. It is not a critique. It's just some it's a it's a blatant observation. It's just something that I see and there's a question behind it. And the question is just it just took a while. We applaud the effort of what he's done because again, the three first round picks are absolutely ridiculous to get. Okay? Now, let's talk about the rest of the pieces that he got. Okay, Bruce Brown. You get a, a solid all-around player. You get somebody who is going to be very helpful on the defensive end. He's going to be a screener. He's going to play his role. He is going to shoot threes. And he's going to provide a cohesiveness to the offense that you are probably used to having with Pascal, but in a different way because you're not going to need to give him as many shots. So what does this mean? This means more shots for our guy, Scotty Barnes, Emmanuel Quickly, which I know a guy in Texas by the name of Kyler who will be excited about Emmanuel Quickly getting more shots. Um, and also more shots for RJ Barrett. Now, here's the special little piece with this. Bruce Brown is also just coming off a championship run with the Denver Nuggets. Remember, he signed a free agent contract in the summer to go to the Indiana Pacers. We all looked at the deal and went, ooh, that's a lot of money for Bruce Brown. And we said, good luck not having Nikola Jokic with you. Now, Scotty Barnes is not Nikola Jokic. I'm not comparing the two at all. I'm just saying that the fit might be a little bit better. But here's the other part of this. If Messiah Jerry 
is still feeling a little frisky after the OG Ananobi trade and the Pascal Siakam trade. Bruce Brown is a tremendous fit for any team that can that fancies themselves as a as a contender. Just letting you know right now. So if he's gotten the picks from New York and the players from New York, the second rounder from New York, and Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett. Okay, so that kind of helps the young core. Then in this deal, he turns around and gets a piece that he can either fit right into that younger young core and provide some veteran leadership, or another person that he can jettison away for. I will tell you, Bruce Brown will probably fetch you at least one first, if not two. And we have until February 8th to the actual trade deadline. So, that's what they get in Bruce Brown. Let's move on to the others. Okay, in Jordan Noir, you get a 25-year-old who really hasn't never put it all together. Um, he hasn't put it together consistently to garner any kind of minutes. Um, he hasn't even been able to really break into a backup rotational um, spot as of yet. This is a kind of a Raptors play because what Jordan Nawara does provide is length. He's six foot seven, six foot eight. He's about two hundred and ten pounds. He can handle the ball. Um, there hasn't been, there hasn't been yet the uh, the consistency in the shot, but the the touch is there. And sometimes in Toronto, you sprinkle the special sauce that they have up there, and you get a player. So this is a value play, and we'll see what Noara makes out of it. Now. Kara Lewis, which, again, we consider him the 5.7 guy, 5.7 million, because that was the actual um, amount of his contract, which the Pacers didn't necessarily want to trade Ogi Togwin, who was making the same amount of money, who would have made this deal work, right? So Kara Lewis has had a real up and down career. So far, he's still very young. He's 22 years of age. He's just had a injury-marred career. Every time we think he's about to get healthy, there's a hamstring. There's an ACL. There's a groin. There's something. And I'm not, I'm not down on him. It's just like, man, if this guy could ever catch a break. Because the one thing that we did see out of Kira Lewis is that he had a lot of explosiveness. Now, I don't know if the injuries have taken that away and that's completely gone and he has to remake his game because he gets so little time in New Orleans that, to me, this is another value play. It's not something that you're expecting to hit, but if this kid can regain some of the explosiveness that he had coming out of college, this is kind of college sexton. Okay, this is... I'm not saying he'll get to that potential. I'm saying that if it 
could all come together. It's Colin Sexton. And that's not a bad place to be. If you're looking to move on from one of your like uh, your uh, backup bench guys. So I don't know. We'll see with Kier Lewis. We'll see if he can get healthy. Hopefully he can. Hopefully he can reclaim his career and get it back. Look at what we've seen uh, this year with Dante Exum in Dallas. Keep that in mind. We're so quick to 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 write off people and say, oh, they're done, it's trash, he's washed, this, that, the other. Dante Exum is shooting over 40% from three, providing a tertiary ball handler to Luka and providing some length and some defense that they sorely, sorely lack in Dallas. And this is a guy that had a bunch of injuries, couldn't get it together in Utah, got traded a couple times, was out of the league for a couple years, found his shot, and now is back. So just because it doesn't happen right away, doesn't mean that we got to throw away every single guy who hasn't pulled it together in the first three or four years. So I hope for Noir and Lewis that they do get opportunities. And I think with Toronto, it's just experimental time. And let's just see what we can do with what we have. But I do, again, want to preface saying the, the three first round picks for Pascal Siakam is a master stroke. And for somebody who has been absolutely critical of Messiah Jerry, I want to definitely give him his flowers when he's got this massive deal. And no one, I mean, no one thought first three first round picks. No one thought that. All right. What did New Orleans get out of this? Cat relief. That's it. They got cat relief. By the way, they gave up a second round pick to get cat relief. Okay. Um, it wasn't like Kara Lewis was going to do them any favors anyway. Jordan Hawkins has, has, has emerged for them. You got Jose Alvarado, who plays an important role for them. CJ McCollum plays an important role for them. Uh, Dyson Daniels plays an important role for them. He, there was no space for Kira Lewis Jr. at this point in time. So for him, hopefully this is an opportunity to play. At least get in the mix. Where he was in a very, very crowded backcourt. In New Orleans, right? Alright. Other than that. Where do we go from here? Who's the next domino to fall, right? That's that's really where we are at at this point. So we've had OG Ananobi get traded. We have Pascal Siakam. Now, I will tell you that the next name on that list, and people don't want to hear it, is DeJounte Murray. And at this present time, there hasn't been a DeJounte Murray trade. Now, you would say, well, Vince, we just talked about Pascal Siaka and why we're going into DeJounte Murray and what hasn't happened. The only reason I want to bring it up is for this point and this point only. 
there's been a lot of speculation around the Lakers and DeJounte Murray. So you go, go figure, Vince wants to talk about the Lakers. That's right. My podcast, and I like the Lakers, and we're going to talk about them. So, with that being said, there's been a lot of speculation around DeJounte Murray and the Lakers. There's been names bandied about, about who's going, who's staying, who could be part of the deal, who could not be part of the deal. Can I throw this one little caveat to everybody's speculation and we got to get this guy and, and, and what have you? Who represents DeJounte Murray? Ask yourself that question. Clutch Sports. Ah. There are, are there a lot of Clutch Sports clients on the Lakers? There are. The one at the top is LeBron James, who has a deep personal relationship which, with Rich Paul, who is the CEO of Clutch Sports. Now, if you are a individual or a franchise who has a long-standing relationship with a certain agency, it just kind of connect his own dots that maybe you would have some interest in said player that is represented by maybe the uh, agency you have a lot of dealings with. But you could also be helping that agency out as well in another way. Let's not get it twisted. Everybody wants to hate on Lakers for a lot of a lot of reasons. They want to hate on us because it's Los Angeles and the weather's great. I will tell you right now, the weather is not great right now. But it's not nearly as bad as Buffalo and other places, so we cannot complain, right? They hate on the Lakers because of it's Hollywood, it's stars, it's this, it's that. It's money, right? You're seeing all these people. But at the end of the day, when you tie the Laker name to somebody in a trade rumor, their value goes up. Oh, the Lakers are involved? Oh, why are they involved? Should we be involved? Man, hold on. Maybe we should be involved. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Lakers have been out there. They We've been talking about the Lakers and DeJounte Murray for two weeks. All of a sudden, we're starting to hear Brooklyn. We're starting to hear San Antonio reacquiring DeJounte Murray. And I just wonder, Rob Palenka, a former agent, didn't do Rich Paul a super solid by getting DeJounte Murray's name in the mix, and the Lakers have been the smokescreen all the time for that, and the Lakers have been working on something else completely different the whole time. Just food for thought. That is what I have for you today. Again, massive trade in the NBA. Pascal Siakam 
is the Indiana Pacers. I couldn't be more happy for a franchise, by the way, to see them actually try to go for it and get up into that like upper echelon playoff mix. And I can't wait to see what they do with the next three weeks before the trade deadline. Hit me up on X at FrontRunnerPC and let me know what you think the Indiana Pacers' next move is. And if you are hashtag we the North, the Raptors brethren up there, if you think Masai Ajiri is done, let me know. If you think Masai still has a couple a couple deals up his sleeve, also let me know. Hit me up on X. I will I definitely want to hear from you guys. And again, massive trade. So excited to bring it to you. We will have a podcast on Friday. So best be looking out for that. And then always, as we like to say, be easy and we'll see you later.